Well, thank you folks for letting uh, PJ and I uh, skip the, the state last week, and uh, we were in New York with the grandkids, and they ran me ragged, and uh, we had lots of fun. Uh, and last Sunday, I was able to go to a, a pastor friend of mine, go to his church up in Bolton Landing, which is up in the mountains. It's a small community church, and uh, hopefully encourage him, and we got to spend some, some time with them up there. And uh, it's a struggle at times, uh, being a pastor and being in a small church, and trying to reach a community. And so it made me miss you, though. I did. I missed being here last week and seeing you all. And I know we have guests here today, but uh, it's, a, it's a, an honor to be part of the family here at Pointway. And so we, we welcome you as guests and uh, hope that you uh, can join us again. That being said, if you are a guest here, just so you know that I don't ask rhetorical questions. I don't do it very well, and, and uh, I know Paul and Jesus asked those, but I don't. So if I ask a question, you can answer. In fact, I, I encourage you to answer back. Um, I can wait an awful long time for an answer if I have to, um, but it's a way of going through the scriptures and to interact together, because we're doing this together. We're doing this as a church family. We're looking at God's Word this morning, and we do that together. It's not just the pastor, and you're not just passively listening. Hopefully, you're taking notes and, and mulling on it or marinating on it, as we like to say here as well, that you are, are letting that word dive deep into you and affect you um, for what's ahead during the week. So, that being said, we are going through the, the book of 2 Corinthians, right? Anyone know what chapter we're on? Oh, yeah. Should have known. You know, I don't know why I asked that question. I should have known. But thanks, Ike. Yeah, keeping everybody on the same page. So that's chapter 9. So we've spent eight messages. We've been going about a chapter a time. And there's been eight messages on the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians especially. We did 1 Corinthians last year. And the, I've mentioned to our folks here that the reason I didn't do the second one after the first is because there's a gap in time, Right? Even though it says 2 Corinthians, it's not the second letter, right? It's most likely the third or the fourth, and there's a visit in between, and there's time in between. So that being said, if you haven't been with us, I don't want to leave you out this morning, so we're going to do a little bit of review just to get us started, but if you're with us, chapter 1 talks about comfort, right? We had as a message comfort, right? God gives us comfort for ourselves, right? Right? Only for ourselves, right? We only get comfort for ourselves. No, what? To, to give to others. Yeah, some of you are paying attention. That's great. Some of you, not so much. I, I got a couple people that were shaking their heads. Yeah, and no. It, it wasn't a trick question, right? God gives us comfort so that we may give that comfort out to others, right? Shared experiences help in that, right? Walking with someone who maybe have done it before. PJ mentioned the, the fatherhood challenge, right, about men walking alongside of men. And one of the things that is parenting, is, it's not easy, right? And parenting is different. I, I'm learning that more and more. And I learned a lot of it over this past weekend. Watching my son parent my grandchildren, it's totally different. He just has to deal with things that I didn't have to deal with. Technology, right? You know, cell phones and iPads and internet. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when dial-up came and you'd wait there forever for something to download. Um, score up there and because it, it would take forever. The game would be over, right? Um, different era, different challenges, right? 
But we share those experiences. And even if you've done that, even if you parented in another generation, though, there are some things that are, are, are common, right? Kids still need discipline. They need structure. They need love and caring parents, right? So even if you didn't do it 100% right and, and you messed up, it's okay. You can still help another person. And so it's the same idea that Paul is communicating to the church in Corinth, that they need to use that comfort they've been given to give to others. Because, right, Corinth is just the, the center of Christendom, right? That's, uh, everything's perfect. The culture is fine there, right? No, right? Corinth was a tough city. And we also know that the church in Corinth was not a perfect church. A, there's no such thing as a perfect church, but it was a church that was struggling, especially early on. They had a lot of problems, a lot of struggles. One of those struggles that we had read about was the immoral brother, right? And Paul had to excommunicate him and throw him out of the church. We also learned in 2 Corinthians, though, that that brother came back after repenting, and the church was struggling to reconcile, right? We spent quite a bit of time, a couple chapters on reconciliation, right? What, that, what does that mean, right? And repent, you know, it, it's one thing for someone to, to come out of our life, you know, sin and get in trouble and repent and then come back. But then how do you restore that relationship? How do you work through that? It's not our natural tendency, right? We tend to want to just hold them at arm's length, right? And that's what the problem with the church. They weren't welcoming this brother back in and accepting him. And so Paul obviously addresses that. Paul was also struggling with that same reconciliation in his own walk, right? Remember, he had told the church in Corinth that he was going to visit them, and then he didn't end up visiting them. The Holy Spirit led him to go to Thessalonica. He went there and went by them twice, and some of them were offended by that, and they questioned his integrity. And then we started working through that process, and Paul reiterates that, and then I'm kind of doing the speed here. Obviously, these are a lot of chapters to go through, but we also talked about being Christ's ambassador. We did that at our baptismal service, which seems like months ago, but we actually, at our baptismal service, we talked about being ambassadors for Christ, right? Representing the king. Obviously, through baptism, it's one of the ways we do that, right? We, we represent Christ. We identify with him that the uh, death, burial, and resurrection in baptism. And so being an ambassador for Christ, being a good ambassador, spent quite a bit of time on that as well. And then last time I was here, uh, chapter 8 talks about having that spirit or attitude of generosity. And we talked a lot about that, right, about being a church of giving, Right? and how God leads us to give, and how that should be our, our default, really, as believers, is to give. Well, guess what? Chapter 9 is very similar. In fact, you, you could have put 8 and 9 almost combined together. The, the chapter breaks aren't there, because Paul now is calling upon that church in Corinth to give. So you want to remember why they were to give? Taking up a special offering for Jerusalem. There we go. Thanks, Rick. I knew I could count on you. Good job. All right? Jerusalem, right? The church in Jerusalem was struggling mightily. All right? There was a famine in the land. Also, as Jewish believers, a lot of them had lost their family connection, and so they were isolated, and so they were being especially hit hard. And Paul is calling upon these other churches to give. They're going to collect an offering, and they're going to give that to the church in Jerusalem to help them out. I love the picture. Don't you? The, the picture of churches helping other churches. Connection together, right? 
coming together to, to strengthen each of them. And Paul gives some of the reasons for that. Well, that's the same theme that's going to be here today as we, we work through that. But Paul is going to encourage them a little bit more. Right? Paul's already counting them as doing something that they haven't done yet. Kind of like me when I left last week. I knew that you guys would have church here on Sunday. I had no doubt that Joe would do a good job and the music would be taken care of and, and things here would go on as normal. It's great as a pastor to be able to do that. And Paul is doing the same thing here to this church in Corinth. He is counting on them to do the right thing, to continue on, something that's already be, begun. So all that to bring us up to chapter 9. Whew. Seems like a lot, but again, it's eight weeks, so it's been a lot of messages and a lot to catch up on. But now, if you're visiting today, you're right on point with the rest of us. So chapter 9, verse 1. It says, there's no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. For I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm was stirred most, has stirred most of them to action. See what Paul's doing here is he's encouraging them, but there's been a little bit of competition, right? Now, if you know me, I, I love competition, right? I, I don't mind. I can compete almost in anything, you know, fishing or golfing or you name it. I can compete with it, right? I love a little bit of competition, right? And my kids know that. My, my grandkids now have learned that too, that, that Uppa doesn't let them win, right? He, he beats them so that when they beat me, they'll, they'll beat me fair and square. My son reminded me that of a couple times that, Dad, when I finally beat you at basketball, it was a big deal, Right? Rachel, you can ask Rachel. Rachel knows this as well. But Paul is saying that he's encouraging them to give, and sometimes that spurs us on a little bit. It helps us, right? That's why we do matching funds a lot of times. That's a, another, I don't want to call it a gimmick, but it's a way to kind of stir that giving in you, right? Or you compete against somebody else, another church that's around the same level. Hey, let's, let's make a campaign here. A little friendly competition is not bad especially as it spurs you on. And so Paul is pulling these different churches from different areas together, connecting them and saying, hey, let's give together because with all of our resources, we can really help out the church in Jerusalem. It's kind of the backdrop to this whole giving thing. And so it stirred up this enthusiasm. But we're also going to see there becomes a problem in the church in Corinth. And Paul is kind of setting this up here in a kind of a, roundabout way. He's not coming directly, but he's, he's kind of coming back to them in a roundabout way to let them know that there's a problem or a potential problem. He's looking out ahead. Verse 3 it says, but I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said, you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we not, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. Paul is worried that they're, they're going to lose steam, right? I've seen this happen in churches over and over again. There's many times, in fact, it scares me. I'm thankful that I don't have a building project. Building projects are one of those things that, that churches do, and boy, it can be a real strain on a church if they linger out. And here's kind of the, follow me here on the track, right? 
a bigger project takes longer to raise funds, and it takes sometimes years to do that. And what traditionally happens, or quite often happens, is it runs out of steam. The church that I grew up in back home had a, a they fund, they had an old building, they wanted to build a new one, a property. It took them 15 years to actually see that the new building start to be put up. And you can imagine what happens over 15 years. People fall away. They're not even there. The people who were excited have gotten discouraged, and they stopped giving towards it, and it stalled out. Well, guess what? It's no different, right? Sometimes those longer projects, those bigger ones, you can lose steam. There's that initial enthusiasm. You start giving, and then you kind of, well, you don't see it moving, so you stop. And so Paul is just kind of here letting them know, hey, don't, don't lose steam. Don't forget your enthusiasm. It's been a while. And so he's nudging them a little bit, kind of encouraging them not to give up, not to forget why they're doing what they're doing. And again, Paul's not really worried about them being an embarrassment to him. He's worried about them being an embarrassment to the other churches. Right? He's used them to encourage them, and now if they fall short, they're going to be an embarrassment to the other churches. So much so in verse 5, he says, So I thought it necessary to urge you, brothers, to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Whenever you see a couple words that are mentioned over and over again, you want to take note of that, but Paul says a generous gift, right? And we spent last time talking about generosity and and what that means, right? It's, it's an abundance. It's giving beyond the norm, right? It goes outside of those confinements. But Paul also addresses another thing here is the motive, right? right? It's, God doesn't need our money. He wants us to give it as part of our worship, right? It's part of a, that obedience. It's part of our worship. It's part of who we should become as believers, and so if we give grudgingly, or if we write it out, I've told this to people that ask me about tithing, if we just write it out like another bill, sometimes that's not what God's asking from us, right? It should be out of that abundance, out of that praise and worship. I'd even heard something this week on the radio that talked about when we get to the, the point where we're not a... Um, and you know what, I'm going to mess that illustration up. But basically it was saying, if you're a manager versus being a... Uh, can't think of the other word. Never mind. It's not a good illustration then if I can't remember it. But it was checking the motives, right? And basically the base of it was that we get everything from God. And how we handle those funds is between us and God. And how we give those back out. Verse 6. Again, going on that same theme. And Paul is building up steam here as he goes. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Obviously, these are some of the scriptures that have been misused, and by no means am I at any point here giving the prosperity gospel any credence, right? These is not what these verses mean. You can see it here. If you put it in context, that's not at all, right? Again, Paul's not saying, well, if I give $10, I'm going to get 100 back. That's not what he's saying here at all. 
But that's what the prosperity gospel would lead you to believe, that you give in order to get. And that's the wrong motive, right? That's not why we do gives. So motivation in our heart matters in these things. Uh, these verses get taken out of context quite often and used in those areas, and those are false teachings. But there are blessings that come from giving, right? And again, those blessings don't always appear to be the same, right? I mean, I can give $10, but I may not see $10 back, but I may see someone grow, or I may see a ministry go on. I may see where that ministry took that and invested, and it's gone beyond their community, beyond their area. One of the things that we do here at Pointway, and we do it well, is we invest in ministries, right, and missionaries, right? We give to them, and we don't expect anything back, right? They're not never going to return that money. They're not going to give it back to us. But again, we're investing in that ministry so that they are able to share the gospel with people that we'll never meet and to do things that we can't do ourselves. The motivation, it matters, right? It matters why we do what we do. But there are blessings that come from that. And so Paul is prodding them there to remember why they're doing what they're doing. Paul's not commanding them they have to give a certain amount. He's just saying, hey, I'm counting on you to give a generous gift. Also, the, a good litmus test is Paul gains nothing from this. Right? This is not Paul's you know, income. It's not his retirement fund that he's going to take this gift and use for himself. Not at all. In fact, he's given the whole gift to the church in Jerusalem. Right? He's just the middleman. He's just helping facilitate it. He's just the connector. It's a, it's a good way to check and balance that stuff. And don't miss here, God loves a cheerful giver, right? He, he loves the fact that we are willing to give up things and to sacrifice and to invest in the ministry. Verse 8, it says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God provides. Right? He does provide for our needs. He takes care of us. He knows what we need, and he does that for us. And he does bless some of us with financial giving so that we're able to give that to someone else. So no different than the comfort, no different than anything else that he gives us, those spiritual gifts, right? They're to be used for others. An old pastor of mine, when I was just coming into ministry, told me, he says, God's not going to give it to you if he can't get it through you. It was a catchy phrase, and it took me a while to mull on that, but there's some truth in that, right? If, if we're not going to be good stewards with it, God is not going to give it to us. There's an expectation when he gives us things. So Paul goes on to back this up a little further here in verse 9. It says, As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. And Paul pulls in some Old Testament, right? This is nothing new. This is, is something that should have been going on continually. In the Old Testament, we see it you know, time after time. There was a whole ministry of people having to take care of the widows and the orphans, right? That was a, a commandment. It was built into the law. So it's nothing new about giving, certainly. They would give to the temple. They would give to those in need. And it wasn't always financial. Sometimes it was hospitality. Sometimes it was just kindness. Sometimes it would be just 
being there for people, meeting needs. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed, supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Paul kind of pulls it here out of the, the physical to the spiritual, right? There's a, a spiritualness about giving. I can say that. Right? There's a righteousness in what we give. Again, righteousness is a $10 word, but it's doing the right thing. And so there is, it's right to be a giving church and be a believer who is generous. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. That's kind of the cool thing that happens when giving, right? Quite often when, when we give, sometimes God just ends up pouring more and more blessing out on us, or he takes that gift and he multiplies it. Again, I, I don't know how that works. I can't explain it, but I've seen it happen over and over again. You know, someone asks for $100 because they need it for a bill, and all of a sudden, you know, they give them an abundance. There's $1,000 that comes in. Or God laid it on somebody else's heart. There's a campaign going on in the laps in Staples. They need a new roof. And I happen to be on the building committee for laps in Staples, and so I know about this. And so they put out a campaign, and they asked for someone to, to give you know, all the donors to give to the roof. And they were hoping to get about $10,000 for the roof project. The roof project is going to be about 65000 And LAPS has some of that money, but and interestingly enough, it, within the same day, two people gave $10,000. Two churches wrote out checks for $10,000 for the roof. And they're up to almost half of it's already covered. And like I said, they only were looking for 10000 and yet now they're up to almost 30000 over and over again, God just supplies. There's many examples of that. And so God knows exactly what's needed, and quite often he wants to use people to do that and to bless others. Verse 13 here, as we're wrapping this up in the last of this chapter, it says, Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, the gospel of Christ, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Can I make the, the case here that, that Christians are givers and also that that is part of our testimony? Right? Again, going back to that, not forgetting that, we are ambassadors in Christ, and part of that is being an ambassador is to be a giving person, to give out, right? to be generous. That's part of, of who we should be as believers. It's part of that testimony. And I would encourage you to actually use that sometimes. And someone says, well, why are you giving to that? Use that as part of your testimony. That's an open door. Sometimes we miss those opportunities, but I, I give because of what Christ has given me. And you can launch into the gospel or part of your testimony with that. Many of you know I teach an evangelism class, and I'm, I'm always looking for those openings, and that's one of those that you can use, right? Well, why do you give to that organization? Or why are you volunteering there? Or why do you... Do what you do. Right? 
it's a good opportunity to use that as part of your testimony, but also to share the good news of Christ. But in order to do that, we have to be that giver. That generosity has to be part of it. It has to be part of our being, part of our testimony. It says, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Paul kind of wraps up this section and says, hey, blessings on you for giving, right? It'll be part of your testimony. Paul's also continually in mind, right, keeping that unity, keeping these churches connected. Right? Just like we do here, we, we try to stay connected. In fact, this week I'm going to be going to district council this week, and part of that is to keep all the churches here in Minnesota and the eastern part of the Dakotas connected. Find out what we're doing as a district. There's also some connectivity helps us in many ways. Christian and Missionary Alliance. Again, that connectivity helps us in many ways. You at Point Way, if you know the history, we, because of that, we have this beautiful building. Right? We have this facility because of the Alliance. This was another church, and this ended up becoming ours. As Point Way was a plant here. That one was for free. It wasn't even in my notes. <laughs> Probably thinking about membership class already, because that'll come up there as well. So as we wrap up our, our time here this morning, I just want to encourage you to, to, to tap into that, that leading of giving. All right? Ask God. Ask God, where, where should I be giving my finances? Where should I be giving my time? Where should I be giving my energy? Is there some area in my life that I have an abundance of that I need to be pouring out, investing in? I challenge you to, to ask God that, to, to reveal that, to make that clear to you. And again, don't be surprised if it's in multiple directions because quite often that's the case, right? It's not just one thing. It can be several things, but you need discernment on what it is that you need to focus on. And so that would be my prayer for you this week and my encouragement is to take some time and ask God that this week. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we see in your word that we are called to be givers. And Lord, we thank you for providing the means to be able to do that. We thank you for the abundance and riches that you've poured out on us. Most importantly, the, the grace of salvation. That you've given us the hope, the real hope of eternity with you. And Lord, we thank you for that sacrifice on your part. Lord, may we be mindful of the things that we are to give to. Help us to discern the areas that maybe we were lacking or were holding back. And Lord, may it become part of our testimony to the world around us and to others, Lord, of the good news and the good that you've done in our own lives. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would ask someone to head out and grab the older children for communion. If someone would just step out there. We're doing that as a church family this morning, and we want to give those, those kids an opportunity. Don't want to forget that. I'm also going to need a couple of elders to come forward as well this morning to help serve. So I've got a few of them, so.
this for you that are visiting this morning. Our, our communion table is an open communion table, and what that means, it's open to any believer. It's not closed, it's not a membership only, it's open to all that are here this morning. And so if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are welcome to come to the table this morning and to partake. But here at Pointway, we take that very seriously, and we also take heed to what Scripture has said. And so Scripture gives us instruction. It says in 1 Corinthians, it says, So whenever, whoever eats of the bread or drinks from the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. It says, Everyone should examine themselves before they eat of the bread or drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. And so what we like to do here at Point Away is right where you're at, just close your eyes and bow your head just between you and the Lord. Take a few moments and make sure that you are in right standing and in right relationship with Christ. ask Steve to give thanks for the bread and the cup that we are about to receive and what that represents.
case you didn't find it, the bread is underneath the, the cup. The cups are stacked together. Do the bread first. It says, For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you, the Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Scripture goes on to say, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this. And whenever you drink it, remember me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and close us in song. And also, as a reminder, there are still cups left over and there are still empty seats here around us. And so, for a reminder for us as believers, that we need to go out and share the good news so that maybe next time those seats will be full and there will be more people that come to know Jesus. And so use that as a reminder this morning. Thank you.